Well, this morning I've got a word for you from the Lord, from the book of Proverbs, on the topic of friendship. During my teen years, I had quite a diverse experience of friendship. There was John, a fellow counselor with me at summer camp. He was a young man who showed me faithful affection through good times and bad. He challenged my thinking about the scriptures and he showed me how to live consistently as a Christian such that I can say it was largely on account of John's influence that I stopped swearing. Might seem like a simple thing, but he had a real impact on me. I started reading my Bible and praying more consistently. And because of John's influence, I acquired greater care for helping the people around me come to know Christ and to grow in him. By contrast, I had another group of friends at the time where bickering, ridicule, and gossip were the name of the game. It was hard to get in with this group of friends, and once you were in, you had to be very careful not to run afoul of the group, lest you end up very quickly back out. So when I was around them, I felt like I had to constantly protect myself from being hurt. Such friendships caused me to look inward and to care more than ever about myself. These contrasting experiences of mine provide a dramatic illustration of what biblical friendship is all about. Because often we think of friendship as something almost random or spontaneous. Either you just click with someone or you don't. But the book of Proverbs pictures friendship as perhaps the clearest indicator of one's pursuit of wisdom. In other words, your choice of friends is neither neutral nor coincidental. Show me your friends, and I'll show your odds at finding wisdom. That crucial link is the main idea this morning. Show me your friends. I'll show your odds at finding wisdom. Let me begin by showing you the direct connection between friendship and wisdom. This is point number one, the link between friends and wisdom. Those whom a person chooses for friends are the clearest indicator of whether that person is heading toward wisdom or toward folly. Look at Proverbs 13 verse 20. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. When it comes to friendship or companionship, the choice is clear. Your friends foreshadow your fate. If your companions are wise, you will become wise. If your companions are fools, you will suffer harm. 
And I think it's clearly implied that the role of friends goes much farther than simply foreshadowing your fate. Your friends are most likely to be the agents of bringing that fate to fruition. Wise friends will actually make you wise. Foolish friends will actually cause you harm. Why is that? Remember the definition of wisdom in this book. Wisdom is a journey toward the Lord. The wise are moving closer to the Lord, so you can't help but join them for that journey. And fools care only for themselves. That's the definition of foolishness. So you, as their friend, will eventually draw the short straw. You will run afoul of their selfish desires, and you will be subject to backstabbing if you ever get in their way. For example, companions willing to cheat on a test or to fudge reports in the workplace... They will expect you to support them in those behaviors. And if you refuse to cheat or you refuse to lie or steal from your employer or from contractors or customers, these friends will turn against you instantly. So if your parents ever told you not to hang out with troublemakers, they were speaking wisdom. They were not just trying to ruin your fun. They were trying to help you mature as a person and hopefully to help you mature in the Lord Jesus Christ. Proverbs 13.20 is merely descriptive and predictive, but the next verse I want to show you, chapter 14, verse 7, issues a direct command. Leave the presence of a fool. For there you do not meet words of knowledge. You see, what you will find in the presence of a fool is emptiness, selfishness, and harm. You will not find words of knowledge. So it is not worth it to you who wish to grow in the knowledge of your God to spend all your time in the presence of fools. So the link between friendship and wisdom is a tight one, such that you can show me your friends and I'll show your odds at finding wisdom. Therefore, please choose your friends wisely. But this raises a few questions, doesn't it? Perhaps the biggest one is the question of evangelism. Is not the heart of evangelism the befriending of people who are not already moving toward the Lord and thereby they are fools? So how do we reconcile the command to leave the presence of a fool with the command to go and make disciples of all nations? The main answer is that when the Proverbs talk about friendship or companionship, this book is not talking about all human association. Of course, Jesus was known as a friend of sinners. 
He was unafraid to hang out with those upon whom a pious religious society frowned. But at the same time, the last two verses of John chapter 2 tell us that Jesus did not entrust himself to most of the people he met in the course of his ministry because he knew what was in their hearts. He knew the foolishness there. But there were a select few whom he drew into his confidence, those to whom he entrusted his precious goods of friendship. So there is a difference between association and friendship. By commanding us to leave the presence of a fool, Proverbs is not telling us to have no dealings with fools or never speak with them. Proverbs is not even telling us to not build affectionate relationships with them. Instead, Proverbs is advising us to reserve the depths of our vulnerability and trust, those things that are crucial aspects of close friendship, reserve those for true friendship with the wise. But by all means, please get to know unbelievers. Build bridges with them and develop genuine affection for them. I'm not talking about false or play-acted relationships, but true and genuine affection and care. Introduce them to Christ in hope that they can one day become true, wise and perhaps eternal friends. So now that we've seen the profound effect that our friends, our closest friends whom we trust, have on our pursuit of wisdom, let's take a closer look at what Proverbs has to say about what sort of friends we ought to have. What sort of friends will help us to grow in wisdom? And what sort of friends will bring us harm? Point number two, let's talk about the folly of bad friends. It is notable that the book of Proverbs practically begins with a warning about bad friends. After commanding his readers to listen carefully to instruction in chapter 1, verse 10, only 10 verses into the book, the author commands, My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. And he goes on to say, do not walk in the way with them. There's this 10-verse long poem on the dangers of greed, including the danger of having greedy friends who are prone to violence. Watch out because they will devour themselves and you will be caught up in it. So this concern with avoiding bad friends is a very early one in the book of Proverbs. And the warnings in this book are not only regarding greed or the potential for violence. Look at chapter 22. Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Isn't that a sobering command? It's one thing... To be told, as this verse tells us, not to be friends with someone given to anger. But remember, you're not the only one being given this command. Everyone else is being given the command too. So what if you are someone 
who tends to quietly roil in anger or even to explode in it from time to time. Wise people have been commanded by God not to be friends with you. The reason given in verse 25 is that anger is contagious. If you get close to someone who has little self-control over their anger, you too will learn to vent your anger. In fact, you will have to do so just to keep up with the angry person. So if your closest friends tend to be angry people, it should be no surprise when you fail to find wisdom. If you learn instead to shout or to hold grudges, if you too find yourself given to anger just to protect yourself, this is a snare. So choose your friends wisely. Or look at Proverbs 29, verse 5. A man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. Flattery is when someone says really nice things about someone else, things that perhaps have been exaggerated beyond realism. A person who flatters others is the person who tells everybody what they want to hear instead of what they need to hear. Such a person is really fun to be around. You feel amazing when you are with them. The problem is you will never learn wisdom while you're with them. They refuse to correct or instruct you. You're never challenged by anything. In fact, they encourage you to keep looking within and find great delight at what you find there. Rather than inviting you to look heavenward with them to find the true source of all delight. Now, flattery, to be clear, it's not the same thing as praise. So in the name of rejecting flattery, please do not become the kind of friend who refuses to ever reflect to people what they have done well. Look at chapter 27, verse 2. Let another praise you and not your own mouth a stranger and not your own lips so being praised for a job well done is not a sinful thing it's not a selfish thing let it happen mean friends are a bad idea but so are friends who always and only are nice to you if those are the sort of people you surround yourself with, you will not learn wisdom. You'll fall right into the net that flatterers spread for your feet. Here's another one. Proverbs 17, verse 9. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. So a, a bad friend is the person who repeats a matter. And, and in particular... Comparing it, the second line with the first line, it, it, a bad friend is the person who refuses to let things go. The person who holds grudges, the person who won't cover an offense, the person who won't tell you things to your face, but continually tells other people how you have offended them. 
This could describe the person who is easily offended in so many small ways because they don't understand how love will cover over the many sins we constantly commit against one another. And this repeating a matter in the second part of the verse could also refer to a person who simply doesn't know how to keep things in confidence. Now, no relationship should ever be protected by 100% confidence. It does not matter how close we are. If you confess to a crime or you express a desire to harm yourself or others, good friends must share those things with others out of love for you and for others. But in general... If you find a regular pattern where you share something personal with someone, even if it's innocent and other people end up finding out about it without you having to tell them, you might want to reconsider how much you're willing to share with that person you have called your friend. Let me show you one more bad friend. Proverbs 23, verses 20 and 21. Be not among drunkards or among gluttonous eaters of meat. For the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty and slumber will clothe them with rags. Now maybe this sounds clear and obvious on the surface for those who seek to honor God. Don't go out and get drunk with your buddies. But there's an important truth here we must grapple with. And that truth is that the reason we have to be told this is because party animals always seem like they'll be good friends. This is typically why college students join sororities and fraternities. Young people, do you ever feel like you're missing out on friendship if you're not invited to the right parties? These verses teach us that people who love to party, people who love to eat lots of great food and drink lots of great drink, are not usually the best options for close friendship. And the reason given in verse 21 is that you will not learn wisdom from them. What you will learn instead is how to become poor. It feels great to attend parties where the host is extravagant and lavish on their guests. And there, there is a time and a place for extravagance, okay? Birthdays, weddings, graduations, retirements. There's a place for a godly, gracious extravagance. But if someone's entire lifestyle is a lifestyle of extravagance, then according to verse 20, be not among them. Such folks love the party and the excess, not because they want to help you mature, but because they love being liked and having much attention. So there are a number of things to look out for so you can avoid choosing such friends. Greed, violence, anger, flattery, touchiness, gossip, drunkenness, and gluttony. And perhaps some of us should not only... Look out for these things in other people. Maybe we ought to cut 
some of these very things out of our own lives. Perhaps it's time to grow up and mature in wisdom because such things will prevent us from becoming wise. They cause us to turn inward and to trust in ourselves. And we will likewise prevent those who befriend us from becoming wise. Show me your friends. If that which they demonstrate is greed, violence, anger, flattery, touchiness, gossip, drunkenness, or gluttony, then your odds of becoming wise are quite small. That's the bad news today. But there is good news as well. The Lord has graciously given us insight into what makes for good friends. What sort of people will not stop us from wisdom, but spur us on in it? This is point number three, the wisdom of good friends. And the most important thing to look for in a friend is to look for someone who knows how to love. Look at chapter 17, verse 17. A friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for adversity. A friend who loves is someone who does not live only for themselves. They are a friend who seeks to understand before being understood. This is a person who doesn't associate with you merely because of what they get out of it. Because all friendships will face hardship. Situations where their loyalty to one another is put to the test, that's because we're all sinners. Sinners do foolish and sinful things. Sinners hurt the people they love from time to time. Not on purpose, but simply because they've not yet been made perfect. And a good friend knows that his or her friends are sinners and that difficult times will come so they love you through it. As we've already seen in chapter 17, verse 9, such love is demonstrated by covering over the sins we commit against one another. But let me read it again. Whoever covers an offense seeks love. So look for the sort of friends who won't hold you captive to always pleasing them and never hurting them. Wise friends will give each other the benefit of the doubt. They won't manipulate one another into behaving in certain ways. One of the ways this comes out is in how friends speak to one another. We already saw that foolish friends will tell you what you want to hear instead of what you need to hear. They will ensnare you by their flattery. But wise friends do just the opposite. Look at chapter 27, verse 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Beware the friend who always puffs you up and speaks nothing but praise. They might be acting more like an enemy whose kisses are profuse. Long for friends who will tell you what you need to hear when you need to hear it. This does not mean that wise friends are mean. 
It does not mean that wise friends nitpick at every little thing. That's not what this means. This means only that true friends will help you to see, when it matters, the folly of your self-love. They will help you to process your self-protective fears and they will reflect the honest truth to you about how you need to grow or improve in the Lord. And even though it hurts to receive criticism, the spirit of love and trust shown by wise friends will compel you to grow closer to the Lord. That's why friends build a solid bank of trust in one another. They can go to each other for honest counsel when a decision or a situation isn't clear. Look at chapter 27, verse 9. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. You see, a wise friend is like a stick of deodorant. I encourage you to write that in your next note of thanks to your friend. You are a stick of deodorant to me. Such a friend makes you lovelier and more attractive for having been around them. Their counsel, their earnest counsel, meets the need of the moment. Pulling these verses together, we see that wise friends love often by choosing not to get offended by your mistakes. Wise friends tell you what you need to hear such that you become a better and a sweeter person for having heeded their counsel. Wise friends don't merely have shared interests with one another. They don't merely have fun together, though they may have shared interests and they should have fun together. It's not limited to that. The thing that characterizes wise friendship is improving one another. Friends help one another along on the journey of wisdom, which is a journey away from self and toward the Lord. So I dare you to show me your friends. If I see people who love, who have a thick skin, and they can, they can take an offense. For people who say what must be said and can offer counsel that points in the direction of the Lord Jesus Christ, then your odds at finding wisdom are quite good. This is why I love serving this church with my fellow elders. Reese, Dan, Tom, the guys in training, Ryan, John, these men are not only fellow laborers in Christ, they have also been good friends to me and to one another. I have seen each man grow wiser for having these men as their friends. And I don't mean to communicate that there's an exclusive club going on here. Only that I've been in other churches where the elders were not all true friends to one another. And that doesn't usually end well. All of this implies a rather sobering application. 
the sort of people who make for wise friends, guess what they're looking for? Wise friends. So if you would like to have good friends, the most important thing is that you must be a good friend. Are you the sort of person who is willing to speak difficult truth when it needs to be spoken? But you're not touchy and offended by everything that doesn't go your way. Have you stored up wisdom from God's word that can provide sweet and earnest counsel to others? Do you know how to love others even when it is costly or it hurts to do so? So your friends are the best indicator of whether you will find wisdom. And you are the best indicator of whether your friends will find wisdom. That's quite a high bar set by God's word. And so sometimes people reject friendship. They don't want to even go there. They think they'll do just fine in life on their own. And sometimes people idolize friendship, believing they just can't live without their friends. But Proverbs has one more thing to say about friendship, which helps us to see the error of both isolation from and idolization of friendship. And that last thing is that there is a sort of best friend who is better than you can imagine. This is point number four, the best friend. Proverbs teaches that true friendship is even closer than family ties. Wise friends have a greater impact on us than blood relationships. Look at chapter 18, verse 24. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. It's one thing to have loads of friends, loads of companions. It's easier to do that than ever before with social media where you can have not only hundreds, but thousands of friends. And this verse says that it is possible to have many such companions and still come to ruin. But there is a friend, that one friend who sticks closer than a brother, the sort of friend who never leaves your side, who is always there when you need them. Wouldn't it be great if you didn't have to go through life feeling misunderstood and abandoned all the time? If only you could find that one person who can complete your sentences, who knows how to read your body language when nobody else can see through your forced smiles. The person who not only loans you their stuff, gives you 20 bucks when you need it, but who helps you to get out of debt and makes you wiser for it in the long run. There is such a friend available to every one of us. 
if we would only recognize him for what he is. On the night before he died, our Lord Jesus Christ said the following to his students in John 15. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Jesus was about to pay for the sin of the world by giving up his life. And three days later, God the Father would raise him from the dead and hand over to him all the kingdoms of the heaven and earth to become his own. And the one who never had a beginning, who was always in perfect love and relationship with the Father and the Spirit, he now speaks to those who love him. And he says, no longer do I call you servants. But I have called you friends. Jesus is the best friend we could ever have. If there ever was a person who could make his friends into wiser people for knowing him, it's the Lord Jesus. He speaks God's word to us, telling us not always what we want to hear, but certainly what we need to hear. And his word changes us from the inside out so that he can bring us to God, which is the path of wisdom. So please understand, your friends cannot, in the end, give you the life you want but the Lord Jesus can trust him today please trust him tomorrow walk with him this week and the wisdom of God is yours show me your friends show me Jesus as your best friend. And I'll see your tremendous odds at finding wisdom. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, <clears throat> Lord, we do not deserve a friend like Jesus who loves at all times and who sticks closer than a brother or a sister, through thick or thin. Help us to be so transformed by the friendship of Christ that we can show him to the world as we are conformed to his image and become the kinds of friends to one another as he has been to us. Help us to reject the folly of bad friends and to find your wisdom and life as we find you. Jesus, thank you for walking by our side 
and loving us at a time that no one else did in a way that no one else ever could. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.